I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. We've been so blessed to have amazing guests on the show, and the ones from the last two episodes have had so much great content to share, I literally couldn't fit it into their episodes. And that's why I'm going back to the cutting room floor for this week's episode. You're going to hear from Ada Rose Cannon, who's the co-chair of the W3C Immersive Web Working Group and a developer advocate for Samsung, as well as Dan Applequest, who is a director of web advocacy at Samsung and also co-chairs the W3C Technical Architecture Group. I'm talking to both of them about how we can increase diversity in tech and hearing their expert advice for developers. Let's get started with hearing Dan's point of view about how we can increase diversity in tech. How do we think about improving diversity in tech? And do you think that can also help push more diversity in what's available on the web and how people think about it? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the problems that we have with applications that are not designed very well have to do with the fact that they don't have a that they, they don't have a diverse enough team behind them, <laughs> um, and that's a problem across the industry. Uh, it's a problem that I take very seriously. That it's something that uh, we try to encode into all the work that we're doing, actually. And I've been trying to push on a number of fronts on this. So I'll give you I'll give you a couple of, of examples. Um, we have a conference participation guidelines uh, document or statement that we will not participate in conferences. We will, will not speak at conferences or sponsor conferences and events that don't meet a certain bar of diversity and inclusion. That includes things like, um, do, do you have a code of conduct? Uh, do you, are you taking diversity on stage seriously? Uh, do you have, uh, is your code of conduct strong enough? Do you have a enforcement policy behind that code of conduct? Do you have a track record? Um, some of these things are quantifiable, some of them are a bit qualitative. And we're trying to take that same philosophy to web standards as well. So W3C, which is this big amorphous group, which a lot of people view as kind of very opaque. Ideally, we want to open that opaque box up and we want to get more developers, more especially new voices, especially people from underrepresented communities participating in W3C and participating in web standards. Because that's how we're going to make sure that these standards make sense for everybody. The uh, So W3C has a yearly meeting called TPAC, that's Technical Plenary and Advisory Committee, and they have it in different places around the world every year. This year happens to be in Japan. Our team has put, for the last meeting and for this meeting coming up, money towards a diversity scholarship so that we can help, and other companies such as Microsoft um, have come in and paid uh, money into that fund as well so that we can pay for people to actually come to these things. So we can actually pay for travel for, for, for people specifically from underrepresented groups. Come join us, join their peers um, that are working on some of these new um, web standards. And um, I think that's really important. So we're, tr- we're getting better in W3C. We're getting better across the industry. I think there's a lot more awareness now of it. I think there's also some, unfortunately, some pushback on the part of some people, but I really think, you know, I see a lot of positive energy on this now. And all the people that we're working with, all the partners that we have on ViewSource, for instance, are on message on on this uh, topic, you know, in terms of promoting diversity. You know, I found when I started an industry networking group in uh, 2005, and we were running called Mobile Monday London, we were running monthly evening events where we would have speakers, pretty simple stuff. 
guess what? When we had women speakers, we had more women attendees. You know, that led me on a journey to start thinking about this more and understanding how we can, especially in the events space, how it's important for the inclusion of the entire industry, right? Because those kinds of events end up being places where people network, where they build their careers. So if we're having a problem, and I'm not saying net tech events are the only uh, fixing things in tech events or adjusting things in tech events are the only way to fix the problem, but it's certainly one lever and it's a lever that we're trying to push on. And as well, uh, in the standards community, it's similar a similar story. So that's those are two areas where, where we're trying to um, put a lot of energy into that because I think that's, that's an important goal. I completely agree. Now, let's hear Ada's perspective on how we can increase diversity in tech. One of the areas I know that you're passionate about is just diversity in tech overall. So how would you think about getting more women in tech? So this is a big issue. And unfortunately, getting women into into tech is not something which women can do alone. So we need support from, from big companies, from our colleagues. We need support at every level because at the moment, there is pressure against you when you go into tech. You're constantly fighting the system by being a minority in the industry. And this is not just for, for women, but for people of color too. It's very challenging to enter a space where you are not considered the default. So part of it comes from, as a community, making sure that the, that the conferences we attend represent the industry as we'd like to see it. So ensuring that there's good representation of all kinds at every level of organizing community events, from, um, from the organization team, to the staff managing the event, to the lineup of speakers, and the attendees visiting the conference. And often this means doing a lot of work and reaching out to people long before you start planning anything. The same comes with open source projects and standards work. If you want to do an open source project or, or do a standard and you want to have diverse people working to it, because ensuring diversity in, in our teams is like the right thing to do. And it is, that, that should be reason enough. But for a lot of people, that's not enough. So to this, I say, um, if you need if you need a business excuse for having diversity in your um, in your teams, like diverse teams give better results because by having developers from a wide range of backgrounds, you're going to solve problems you didn't even know you had until you released the product. And that it shouldn't be necessary for me to give that as an excuse for people to use, but sometimes you have to to justify it with money and. The justification is there, like it'll, it, it makes business sense. But yeah, it's definitely an uphill battle. It helps that people are talking about it, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So constantly having to fight to prove that women and, under, and other groups underrepresented in tech have a space in the industry is a tiring thing to do. And if you're lucky enough to be successful, like I've fortunately had a very successful career. So a lot of the work I do now is to put down ladders wherever I can and to help other people and provide support networks and make stuff better. That's all we that's all we can do is make stuff better wherever we can and try and get our colleagues to do the same. 
Given Ada's development expertise, I had to ask her about what advice she would give to all developers. Let's take a listen. Let's say I come to you and I am getting ready to go into college and I think I want a career in web development. What's the advice that you're going to give me? There's lots of really amazing tools out there and there's a lot of really clever work people have done. But to get started quickly using gigantic frameworks. If people who use larger frameworks like React and Angular like other people to use those same frameworks. Unfortunately, I don't think they're um, they're great for the long-term future of the web. Just like jQuery didn't stick around forever, I think these big frameworks are, might go in the same direction. Learn what the, the web as a platform has to offer, because there's, there's a lot in there which a lot of people don't know about already. And so by picking up a few technologies and learning how to use them well, so getting good at just CSS and HTML will get you very, very far indeed. And, and it's amazing how much you can do with only a few hundred kilobytes of JavaScript. There's lots of amazing stuff out there. You don't have to stay on the bleeding edge of the community work, on the, the work the community does. There's way too much. The JavaScript community is huge nowadays. Like I'm a developer advocate and sticking up and keeping up with this stuff is my job. And I can barely and I can barely manage it. Instead, just look at look what the platform has, because that's what's still gonna be around in five or ten years. If you could tell every web developer in the world one thing, what would it be? I wish I could let all web developers realize that they're not just building for their own devices or for the devices of their family and friends. They're building for everyone. And the World Wide Web is a World Wide Web. And when building stuff, they shouldn't focus their, their websites to a single market in a single country. They should be building something that works for everyone everywhere on all kinds of devices, from low-end mobile to high-end mobile and high-end desktop computers. The world is not just for them. And the web is not just for them. And by building a web that works well for everyone, they'll be building a web that lasts long into the future. And if the web lasts long into their own future, then they'll have some career longevity. That was perfect. Let's hear from Dan about what advice he would give developers embarking on this career path for the first time and what he wishes every developer knew. If you're thinking about someone who comes to you and says, I'm thinking about a career in web development, getting ready to go to university. And I think that's the major I want. What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? I would say think twice about getting a computer science degree. <laughs> Maybe that. So I, I mean, I went through my own journey of uh, at university was that I thought, hey, I like computers. I should do computer science, right? And uh, I went to school and started this computer science degree, and I hated it. And it may have just been the particular degree program that I was in, but the emphasis on maths was just not the, or math, sorry, was just not the thing for me. So I ended up going for a more multidisciplinary degree in the end, cognitive science degree, uh, which combined aspects of AI and uh, um object-oriented development and psychology and neuropsych and stuff like that, some of which I haven't really used, but it's been really, but nevertheless, I, I found to be much more enriching um, and set, set me up maybe more positively to think about web development, which is an, at its 
core a multidisciplinary uh, activity that you really need to think about human factors just as much as you need to think about um, you know algorithms and uh, core computer science uh, concepts. Also, study ethics, study decision making, and study ethics, right? Because th these are key topics that are very not well understood. I think by people that are coming out of degree programs, because so these are by by the way when we uh, we're putting our money where our mouth is on some of this stuff. Um, I mentioned diversity and inclusion before. I mentioned ethics just now. These are both things that we put on our job uh, requirements list um, as skill sets. So we're you know we having experience. And understanding about diversity and inclusion programs or codes of conduct, um, having experience or understanding or thoughts about how ethics fit into the uh, to the technology sphere, that's something that we're those are things that we when we hire we're, we're hiring for those topics, and that also brings to us people who are more attuned to diversity and inclusion in the workplace and to and to ethical thinking in the um, in in tech. And that's exactly what we need. I think what we need more of. So probably the hardest question I'm going to ask, what is the one thing you wish every developer in the world knew? You are not the, the only user of your web application, maybe. I mean, I think that's a little bit watered down, but to think outside of the bubble of thought that you're in, you know, if you think you're building a great web application and you have all the angles covered, um, and because all you and the other people you know that are in your peer group are uh, satisfied and happy, um, well, you know, think about other communities um, and how it impacts other communities. Um, think about how the assumptions that you make maybe about how information should be shared or how public things should be or you know, whether or not something is a particularly sensitive piece of information Think about how those might play in, in other communities and, and especially in marginalized communities. I mean, I guess the example that comes to mind is something like when the developers who put together Mastodon put in the feature about uh, content warnings where you can, uh, Mastodon being an open source kind of version of Twitter, uh, really uh, very simplistically speaking, but you can, when you're making a Mastodon message, uh, you can you can add a content warning. And that is something that other more mainstream applications don't have. But the just the idea that you can, just that nudge to encourage people to add a content warning so that if they are writing about something violent, if they're writing about something that could be triggering. Now, if you don't think about those communities, if you don't think about people that could be triggered, if you don't think about how some people don't wanna see hate speech, even if even from people that are saying, I really don't like this hate speech, then you're missing a trick. It's interesting that you say that because one of the things I tell people all the time is you are not your target audience. I think we forget that. Okay. Right? <laughs> okay. I'm glad that resonated then. Yeah. I did. Well, yeah. because I, and I think it applies to developers. I think it applies to marketers. Anyone that is really developing or communicating something to end users, because a lot of times we think and we have these ideas of what we think would be best and we're not always our target audience. So I always try and think about my, like my mom, how my mom would react to it. How would someone in Africa react to it? Could they use it? Those types of things. Cause I think it's just really important to have a more holistic view when we do that. 
I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Lumivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.